Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if you have your Bibles, please open, please open to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. As you're turning there, I'm just going to read it. Paul writes, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or for necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We, you saw the, just the uh, emotions and the, and the excitement and the joy on John and Rose's face as they were describing their experience in giving to others. You know, giving is not a concept that human beings are born with. As little children, we kind of lean more towards taking than giving. I'm going to show a quick video here that kind of will illustrate that. Yeah, so. <laughs> but of course, as we get older, right, and learn and grow, uh, we understand that Jesus' words really are true. That is, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? So here's an illustration of what happens when we get older. Now, okay, so now this was... This was two days ago. There's a toy here that these folks are fighting over on Black Friday. Look at this. Look at this. So the, that's amazing. I had a. I couldn't show the. I couldn't do the audio with that, for obvious reasons. One article commented on this video. It says. One employee is standing by, a clearly defeated and broken by the entire Black Friday situation, and seems to tell them to give it a rest. A bystander says, you're breaking it. <laughs> I can't believe it. As one of the three remaining men finally gives up the fight, the two remaining men grab opposing ends of the box and try to leave with it, but an employee gets them to drop the toy car, a toy car, and tells them that neither of them get to have it. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking to a kid, right? Neither of you get it, he tells, the t he tells them like he was talking to children. All right, so maybe we don't learn so well. Maybe something has to motivate us, right, to be a cheerful giver, which is what the scripture verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. That word cheerful is a very 
special word. It's only, only used really a couple of times in the New Testament. And it comes from the Greek hilaros. Hilaros. What does that sound like? Hilarious. That's where we get our English word hilarious. So Paul is telling us to be hilarious givers, to have joy in what we do when we give to others. But how can we do that? How can we be hilarious givers? How can we break from what we see as kind of that self-centered nature that we're all plagued with? We just finished celebrating Thanksgiving, right? Gratitude. Uh, It's defined as the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation and to return kindness to others. But in order to truly understand the biblical idea of gratitude, I think we need to break down this word thanksgiving because we kind of, we say it, we put it out there, but do we really understand what it means? Biblically, so we're going to break it down and we're going to start with that word thanks. The word thanks appears 75 times in the Bible. Thankful or thankfulness, another four times. The word thank, over 25 times. So in total, some variation of the word thank appears over 100 times in the scriptures. I think it would be proper to think that God considers thankfulness important to us as believers. Most of the references to gratitude in the Bible have to do with being thankful to God. Being thankful to God. And we're going to go through several of them. This morning. You don't have to flip back and forth in your Bibles. We're going to make it easy for you by putting them up on the screen. So in 2 Samuel 22, verse 50, says, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. You have to read this chapter in 2 Samuel, because David spends 50 verses thanking God. 50 verses. The entire chapter 22 is dedicated to the Lord in thanksgiving. It says in the first verse, 2 Samuel 22, 1, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hands of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. You remember he was constantly being, being chased down by Saul. What has the Lord delivered you from? Has he delivered you from the hands of your enemy? Has he delivered you from the bondage of sin? Or maybe a person that you know that hates you just because of your faith. As we look at our lives, we can see and understand with gratitude that the Lord has removed those chains from many of us of bondage. And we can be grateful for that. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. David spends many of the Psalms thanking the Lord. Psalm 30 thanks the Lord as he remembers God's holiness. Remembers His holiness. Jesus shows us the holiness of God in His sinless life. He demonstrated that as he walked this earth. We should be grateful 
that we have the Bible which records the life of Christ and the many examples of holiness that we should aspire to. God desires us to be holy. That means set apart, separate from the things of this world, which are very self-centered, and set apart to being others-centered in our thoughts and in our actions. It says in 1 Peter 1.15, But he who has called you is holy. Also be holy in all your conduct. Can you say that? See, God alone is perfectly holy, completely holy, completely separate from sin and pure. But that doesn't mean it isn't something that we should aspire to as followers of Christ. And our ability to live holy lives, our ability to be separate from sin, separate from the effects of this world, is only possible as we abide in Christ and allow God's word to abide in us. David says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Have you hidden God's word in your heart so that you can be holier each and every day? And it's not a holier than now. It's not, it's not walking around a foot off the ground with a halo over your head. It's living separate lives from the things of this world. It's seeing what's out there and saying, no, I want to honor God. I want to glorify God with my life. And for that, we should be grateful. You know, Daniel was a great example of that. Living in the culture that he was in, a righteous man, And although he had been taken to Babylon in the captivity, he remained faithful to God. He was living in a very godless culture, like maybe even compared to today in the United States, a godless culture, and yet he did not sin. In in verse 10 it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and what? And gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. As was his custom. Now, it's good to know kind of the backstory here. Because we can pray three times a day. We can make that a habit and a custom in our lives. But are we under the same type of persecution that Daniel was. So I'm going to go through those first ten verses. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. So he's setting up the government here. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one. You see, Daniel made a name for himself even in that hostile culture. He was brought over as, uh, in, in the captivity But he made a name for himself. Why? It says uh, in verse 3, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole, whole realm. What do you think that excellent spirit was? That excellent spirit was his relationship with the true and living God. So even those in the culture that don't have a relationship with the Lord, recognize that. Do people see that in us? 
that there's something special, not in ourselves, but because of who we have a relationship with. Have you distinguished yourself in this culture as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? So in verse 4 it says, So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So jealousy got stirred up because they saw Daniel was distinguishing himself even as an outsider to that culture. He distinguished himself because he was faithful to God. So the governors and satraps thonged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. So they're kind of buttering the king up there. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators, the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So he was kind of pressured by, the, uh, by sort of his cabinet to, to make this decree that said, if anyone prays to anyone else, either God or man, other than you, king, then they'll be cast into the den of lions. Well, we know what happened. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, think about that for a second. He didn't just go and pray and thank God, as was his custom, but he knew that there was a decree signed that he would be thrown into the dead of lions if he did that. And what did he do? He did it anyway. He says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, not hiding, fully out in the open, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God, as was his custom. Can we be thankful in all our circumstances? You know, we saw the woman in the slideshow that was thankful for the hurricane. Can we be thankful? Can we see God in the midst of of things that we don't quite understand. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul again encourages us, in everything give thanks, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know, whatever is the will of God in your life, he will empower you to accomplish that. It is the will of God for you to give thanks in all things. But he doesn't put that on us without also empowering us by the Holy Spirit to do those things. And also, we have the example of Jesus giving thanks to God. Matthew 26, 27 says, He took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. And in Mark 8, 6, so he commanded the multitude to sit on the ground. This is when he fed the thousands, remember? And he took the seven loaves and he gave thanks, broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before them. 
and they gave them to the multitude. Our response to God for providing even our basic needs in life should be gratitude and thankfulness. Since, really, he's the one who's provided it. We need to give him the glory for that. The New Testament continues to record others who gave God thanks. In Luke 2.38, And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So does your thankfulness go out to others? Do you, as, as again we, we saw, people who are really thankful, they can't keep it to themselves. That's extended out to others. This woman that Luke is writing about here, Anna, she was a prophetess. So she had a, a word of wisdom from the Lord, as Simeon did in this same, sort of the same chapter here gave thanks to the Lord when she was in the presence of the infant Jesus, when he was brought to the temple for his dedication, she knew that there was something special about him. And she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption. She knew that Jesus was the one who would redeem mankind back to himself. She knew Jesus was the one to give salvation to all who would believe. This gift, God's gift to mankind in Jesus Christ. And our response to God's hand on us, maybe physically through through healings or wisdom for the doctors that we pray for, for people who who are undergoing different ailments. But look, there's got to be gratitude there. No matter what. Says Luke in Luke 17, verse 12 through 19, speaks about this healing that Jesus did. Says then, as he Jesus entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, as was the law, and they lifted up their voices and said, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." So when they saw him, he said to them, "Go show yourselves to the priests." And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And, as one, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God. He fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. One out of ten came back to thank Jesus. One out of ten. And he was a foreigner. He was a Samaritan. He was one of those who was hated by the Jews. So Jesus answered him and said, We're not, and said, We're not, were there not ten cleansed? Were there not ten cleansed? Jesus asks. But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Gratitude, gratitude to to the Lord. Let's never forget to thank God. Basically, this man was saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. He fell at his feet and he glorified him because of what he he had done in his life. And God gives us victory in our lives, doesn't he? We know, we've seen, we look back at our lives and we see victories 
Victories over sin. Victories over illnesses. Spiritual growth. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate victory of over sin is because of what Jesus Christ has done. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. When we feel defeated, know that Jesus has already provided that victory and be thankful. It says in the other part of that verse, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Diffuses. You know that... uh, you know, you have these um, room diffusers, right? That The little sticks of wood that you put into a little jar that has some kind of scent liquid in the bottom of it. And you wonder how the aroma gets into the room, right? Well, it goes through and permeates those wooden sticks and then it sort of goes out into the room. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be leaving the fragrance of Christ Everywhere we go. How do we allow God to use us to diffuse or distribute the knowledge of Jesus everywhere? Well, it happens through the other half of that word. We've seen all these reasons to give thanks. The other half of that word, giving, See, how do we really thank God for all that he's done in our lives? Does he need anything from us? Can we ever outgive God? Is that even possible? And listen, there's some people who use scriptures to show that God requires us to give, that there's there's compulsion on you to give. And I believe that that's unbiblical. I believe in some cases it's used to guilt people into giving. And I know many of you probably came from churches who overemphasized giving to the point where they, you felt under pressure and obligation to give. I know many I've spoken to over the years felt like all the church wants is my money. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes they use, they misuse scripture. Like in Malachi 3, it says, Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But does that really apply to us today? Can you use that scripture to make people feel like they'll be cursed? If they don't give, is that the reason? Is that the motivation for our giving? Or should it be? A tithe literally means a tenth. But this was specific. This was the laws concerning tithing given to the nation of Israel as a way for them to give back to the work of the Lord in the temple. And as a sacrifice, it was a tithe of livestock or a tithe of produce. Their first fruits, so to speak. 
But we don't have that sacrificial system anymore, do we? Wasn't Jesus the final sacrifice for sin? And under the new covenant of grace, the law has a different meaning and application. Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. fulfill. Jesus completely and perfectly fulfilled the Old Testament law. He was that final sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. We know that. It says in John 1.29, when John the Baptist sort of introduced Jesus to the world, the next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's that sacrifice, perfected, completed, never to be done again. So we look to Christ who perfectly fulfilled the law. Now the Old Testament law said 10% of what we have is God's. The other 90% is whatever we want to do with it. But that's not a true biblical understanding of giving. See, all of it is God's. 100% of it is God's, who gives to us freely, right? He gives to us freely. We're just stewards over those things that he's given to us. But are we good stewards? What are we doing with it? Are we being generous with it? See, this is the heart. This is how things get flipped. Jesus always seemed to flip things on its head. It says in Psalm 50, verse 10, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And in James 1:17. And 18, every good and per, and every perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow in turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. See, instead of us bringing our fruit, first fruits to the Lord as was required by God, God considers us his first fruits, kind of the best of his creation, reborn by faith in Jesus. And then what? And then sent out, right? Sent out to bring others to faith. As a church, as a body of believers, our main job is to multiply ourselves, isn't it? Through the, and we do that through the faithful preaching of the word. We preach the word, we provide opportunities to make it possible for the body to grow, right, and get built up in their faith. Then you go out, right? You don't keep it to yourself. Then you go out and you make disciples. Second, we support dozens of missionaries, Our missionary budget is actually the largest portion of our budget in this church because we believe that there are people that in places where you can't go, there are people in the Middle East serving in a hostile environment. And we saw that uh, the mosque got bombed in Cairo. 300 people died. 
Muslims. And there, we have people in those areas reaching out to Muslims to bring them to Christ. We have missionaries in South Korea. We have missionaries in Latvia, missionaries in Europe, the Middle East, other parts of the world. That's how you can continue the work of the Lord. That's how you can give back. And we support other ministries, inner city churches, right here in our area we support. And then as we've seen, we give to ministries that help others in the midst of natural disasters. We helped in Texas. We helped in Florida. We helped in Puerto Rico. The people that I'm in contact with in Puerto Rico feed, were feeding 100 to 200 people every day because there was no power, there was no food, there was no water. And if they didn't receive some of the things that you provided, the people there wouldn't have had it. So see how your, uh, your giving goes further than you can even think. Over 100 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Praise the Lord. Benevolence right here within the body of Christ, here at Crossfields, for those who are in need. But none of it is possible if you don't support it, which you've been doing well. And, you know, uh, Paul uh, is ad, uh, admires the Corinthians because they made a plan to help and they continued through with that. Our giving should be worship to the Lord. Worship to the Lord. Not to be seen by man. Remember, we need to have that right motivation. 2 Corinthians 8, 10 through 12 Paul writes, And in this I give advice, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that there was a readiness to desire, and so there also may be a completion of what you have. Do you have a desire to give, to help? This is a great time of the year to kind of make that plan of how you're going to give in the new year to the work of the Lord. And then as Paul encourages them, not only desire to do it, but also complete. Go, in other words, putting feet on it. Going out and doing it. But it's not a requirement. It's not a requirement. It should be a blessing. Quick statistic. The sad reality is that in most Churches, at least half of those who attend regularly, give nothing to the work of the Lord in that local church. Nothing. But how, so how do we kind of change our minds about this? How do we see giving in a different light? I know you're probably getting uncomfortable already because we don't really talk about it much here. Calvary chapels seem to have a very hands-off approach to that. But I think it's important that as a body of Christ you understand the motivation for it. And then as you seek the Lord for direction, that you follow through on, on how the Lord is leading you. 
So as we're going to close up here, five, five scriptures to show, you, to show giving as a blessing. As a blessing, not an obligation. To sort of see that from a different perspective. Jesus' words should be, first one, Jesus' words should be enough motivation. Jesus' words should be enough. Acts 20.35 records, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Try giving of yourselves in any way and see how much you're blessed in return. And this is not just something that we say from up here uh, uh, at the pulpit. You know For those of you who serve, for those of you who give, you know how much of a blessing it is to you. Now, Jesus is our example. He gave more than any man, and he was willing to do so because of his love. Number two, God wants to bless our generosity. Now, this isn't isn't to say that God is going to give you uh, material blessings although he could if you give. But he just, there's, a, there's sort of a, uh, a pattern here that takes place. Solomon uh, compiled these Proverbs. A lot of times he didn't take his own advice. But in Proverbs 11, 24, and 25, it says, there's one who scatters yet increases more. Scattered is what they do with the seed, right? You scatter it. On the ground, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to pro- poverty. So, what would a how would a farmer, uh, you know, have a great crop if he held all the seeds to himself, right? But he has to scatter them in order to have that increase. And in verse twenty-five, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters waters will also be watered himself. So. Listen, Solomon didn't take a lot of this counsel, and he really wound up a very sad soul at the end of his life. God wants to bless our generosity. It's not necessarily going to be financial blessings, although it could be. But there's definitely a blessing that comes from giving and serving others. Listen, Pastor Joe mentioned about the Roclean home, and so did, uh, so did Maria. And the blessing that that was to those who stood there and served meals to those who did not have. Now, everything that you gave toward that should have blessed you too. And then number three, as we quickly finish up here, it's not how much we give, but it's how we give. How we give. What is the heart behind it? This is an interesting scene if we get this scene here. Jesus, in Mark 12, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. But then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have put, given into the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had, her whole livelihood. So imagine Jesus sitting on the sidelines and watching people's demeanor as they were giving to the treasury. You know, and he saw, look what it says. 
He saw how the people put money into the treasury. Not how much they put into the treasury, just how. What was their demeanor? What was the look on their face? Did he observe joy and thanksgiving? Or did he observe resentment and obligation? Was that what he saw? Do you write the check with a scowl on your face? Or is it a blessing to give? Because you know the, the work of the Lord is, is going on because of that. And we're to give as we are able, number four. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Then the NIV uh, says it this way, On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. Very simple. Just set aside something at the beginning of the week for the work of the Lord in relationship to your income, to provide for the ministry, and to give cheerfully the fifth Scripture here, the one we started with at the very beginning, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So let each one as he purposes, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So how do we give? Is it, is it grudgingly? Is it out of obligation? Is it out of necessity? Do we feel pressured to give? Well, I know that we don't really put that on you here. That's not something that, that you hear very often. And, it's, and again, it's almost uncomfortable sometimes to talk about this. But I think every once in a while, especially as we just come out of the Thanksgiving, are you thankful for what the Lord's done in your life? Coming into the season of giving... Right? Where, you know, do we want to be those guys fighting over the toy car? Is that what's really important to us? God puts it, uh, uh, one commentator, I'm sorry, puts it this way. God is the ultimate cheerful giver. He delights to give to us. It is not difficult to suggest why God delights in the cheerful giver. He himself is such a giver and desires to see this characteristic restored among those who were created in his image. That's God's desire for each and every one of us. You see, his ultimate gift, it says in 2 Corinthians 9.15, we give thanks to God, thanks to God for that indescribable gift. What is that greatest gift? What is that indescribable gift? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. Understanding that, understanding what God has done for each and every person should fill us with gratitude. And again, as at this time of year when we have kind of time to reflect on being thankful and prepare for that celebration that's coming up of God's really God's greatest gift to mankind, sending His Son, that should be the inspiration for us. That should be the motivation for us. 
to give. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.